0: are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, another new era of Bond begins. Pierce Brosnan finally steps into a role to create a Bond for the 90s. It's 1995's Eye. everybody welcome to another episode of the bondzilla podcast some number that's pretty high right now so um yeah
1: multiple eras of uh giant lizards and secret agents under our belt nick yeah um and a new
0: one about to begin
1: yes yeah um so yeah i'm will i'm nick um i'm excited for this one i'm excited to talk this one yeah um but we do have Bond related news. Yeah, we should get right into that. This. That really, it kind of makes me laugh a little bit. It does. Yeah. Do you Do you want to?
0: Well, because last time on on our last Godzilla episode, yeah. we we're like, oh yeah, no, we'll it's t- kind of like a running. We didn't
1: even get to make it a running joke long no, enough no but well, well, it's the, the closest thing we have because on the
0: last episode we were like oh yeah no we'll, we'll talk about how like eat Yourself was not going to be bond on the next on the next bond episode Yes, we did say Cause, that because yeah. we were like okay well that's that's going to be like the big news around this movie that's definitely still in production um but then the the bigger news dropped the more relevant news dropped Uh, So, Idris Elba not being Bond, it's still not going to happen, and it's swept to the wayside as we learned that Danny Boyle has dropped out of the still-yet-untitled Bond 25.
1: Yeah, So, but this kind of, the biggest thing this shed light on for me was that, oh, so he was in, like, pre-production on it. Like, he was going, well, he was... He was going to do it in the sense of they were in Mm pre-production for this movie. Mm -hmm. And so because they did they ever like have the official like, all right, Danny Boyle is the director statement.
0: See, that's the thing. Yeah. It was like there was never really an eon like Danny Boyle is making the movie. But from all accounts, the movie was supposed to start shooting in November for a release next year. Um and now that's that is completely up well, in the air. Well, the
1: point I was making was that this definitely sh- uh, like shed light on like oh, he was working on it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he was He no, was no, doing
0: it. We the thing was that Ian never really made a official announcement, but yeah. everybody knew and Boyle was talking about, yes, I'm working on it. Everybody was like, yeah, he's going to be shooting this movie in in yeah. November. And now that's all up in the air and I'm still not convinced this movie is like but Nick, anywhere closer to happening.
1: Aren't you stoked? For an Edgar Wright bond. Yeah. So <laughs> the, that was like the other bit the of other news, bits right? The
0: other bit is that there's the directors that they're rumored to be looking at. Edgar Wright is one of them. You're uh, right. The director of Heller Heller High Water is one of them. A lot yeah. of the kind of other directors of, of British things uh, are, are out there. Just like a bunch of names. Again, lots of names that were connected before Boyle got hired and a lot of names that are kind of rising up. Well, the up.
1: Edgar Wright one is just so funny because, like, here's the thing. Like, the Broccoli's and bond is still in that camp of i can see that fly over there we've had a fly in our apartment for a week i feel like i've been slowly watching it die over a week and now i have a good like super villain monologue about mm. like watching death in front of my eyes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i yeah. saw
1: this fly uh but um yeah but it's just funny because though they're you know they're still in that camp of like you know For lack of a better term, producer driving their movies. They're they're the same as Star Wars and the same as Marvel, Uh, Mm -hmm. and I and I don't mean that dismissively. Obviously, I'm just saying like you know they are just as much of the filmmakers in the process as the directors of them. But it is funny because is I am also of the belief that that's not the venue that you want an auteur in Mm -hmm. necessarily. Yeah. I know that's well, controversial, well, what's, but. Well, it was
0: interesting because, again, it's a kind of an interesting direction now, too, because if you look back to like the history of Bond directors and directors that we'll have coming up, it's really like the Sam Mendez hiring for Skyfall Inspector sure. that really shifted how it seems how Eon is doing the directors because if you look at the directors over the years like they've made you know movies but they're not like the big time tour directors right They're people that have visions and you know are great there are some really good directors have made movies but not really the ones that you kind of put out there and say like oh yeah but this is a director if you know what I sure, mean. sure no um, yeah, exactly. And so like the Mendez hiring because Mendez obviously was an Oscar winner, uh, and you know has made some pretty big movies before that
1: Well, i mean but look at it this way it's not like what bond movies have had like oh like somebody would consider a major famous director yeah mendez even is, the one that like, like mendez is the biggest name like who yeah mendez who directed skyfall not skyfall casino royale uh
0: well it, well the director of this movie actually
1: oh really yeah that's funny but again like it's not like he's a household name
0: Well, this movie is in our movie today yeah. um yeah but like
1: also, I, I'm not saying like sometimes like you ju- you just need to get solid yeah craftsmen directors to make these yeah. and it would be fascinating if Edgar Wright did it I would be but so it's just like, I
0: would be so disappointed if Wright did this movie yeah because like, if like you were to, to tell me to, yeah. to waste yeah. Edgar Wright yeah on Craig's last movie that's the thing I, though, and that's my, the killer for anybody yeah, on this movie though. here's it's my like, th- yeah my biggest thing about this happening is it's very clear to me just from an outside observer mm-hmm. that I just think it was a huge mistake for them to, to, continue, to continue with Craig yeah, because here's the thing this is Bond at 25 and I I know that Skyfall was He's 25 years old. He looks good. <laughs> <laughs> for 25 is, you know, Bond fifty, you know, it was the fiftieth anniversary for Skyfall, and that was a big, you know, promotional push, and that's really, again, what got me back into being like a huge Bond nerd. Mm-hmm. But like you, you know, you still have Bond twenty-five; it's the twenty-fifth Bond movie, and you know, people like celebrating those twenty-fives. Like people love celebrating the twenty-fifth, you know, edition of whatever or the twenty-fifth anniversary or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and really, you could have had a new Bond. You could have had a big-time director come on board. You could have had a new vision for the character. And and big that promotional push, and I, I just think that having Craig back, it's just there's no, what else can you do with Craig? And I do think that's something that directors and you know people coming on this movie might be even seeing like what else can you do with Craig? I just feel like you've you've done everything you could have. Yeah, Specter, you know, would have been a fine ending to the character and that arc that they've had over those movies. Mm-hmm. I just don't know where you go from here, and I just think that like if you had a fresh bond you would got some buzz back around the movie yeah you would have gotten some buzz for any directors that you might have wanted and if you wanted a big time director you could have gotten pretty much anybody because they're establishing the new vision of bond yeah and i just think that holding on to craig Especially after all that stuff he said post Spectre and mm-hmm. all that kind of, you know, sl- he'd rather slit his wrist than yeah, return. Yeah. I just,
1: you know, we talk about. It. I'm willing to let that go. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, yeah. Just I just think, I just think it's a mistake on that. No, and I, I think agree. I think it's I'm becoming
0: clear that it's a mistake.
1: Listen, as long if my only thing that would get me on board with Craig doing it again, honestly, is if you Ragnarok'd it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But nobody but me wants that. <laughs> but that, but I'm of the opinion like. They should just go a new direction. Yeah. I was of the opinion, like, dude, just get one out with Idris. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. it does. You don't have to like commit to like the four. Just get one out. Get an awesome director, and yeah, it's
0: good. It would be great. But Idris Elba's not going to be Bond. It's no, not, no. no it's, I know he's it's not, not happening. No, I know it's not. But people I'm just need saying, to stop like, thinking it's happening.
1: But if you were to ask me, you know what? How about the next Bond episode? We actually we can talk about who we want for the next one. Mm. Um, which is like you know kind of nice because we're talking about like a new bond today we are yeah but um but yeah i mean i don't know like i i'm with you i would have just rather them like just start the cycle over yeah. again mm-hmm. um well,
0: and and now it really is apparently like you know it's very much likely that this movie is going to be delayed yet another another year oh, it has to be yeah yeah because again november was supposed to be the start of production and there's no way at this point unless they get like somebody who's willing to just do the movie
1: yeah. um all right nick um let's get let's get to the movie though today's yeah, so movie what
0: is our movie today it is going to be golden eye yes golden
1: eye cgi background and the dancing women again um yeah pierce brosnan yes we're song. starting
0: us a, starting a brand new era
1: so this pierce brosnan was my not my bond but the bond i was like introduced to in yeah. quotes oh yeah
0: because the bra i mean we'll definitely talk about it i think as as this especially that's the brosnan series goes on but just to like come out with this quick like the brosnan was the bond of our generation yeah like that's that's the bond that we grew up with in terms of like yeah like you, you know you would learn about like you know the conneries and the moors but like the brosnan bonds were the ones that were everywhere it's the ones that you saw his face everywhere and 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 he, you know, he had the kind of, he was in pop culture at that time because he was the Bond when we were growing up. This right. Is, you, know, 90, you know, the early 90s to mid 90s. So this is when this is when our formative years were happening.
1: Yep. So this will be kind of a lot like the Hazy era or introducing the Hazy era episode for Godzilla mm-hmm. where we're introducing a new era. So maybe a little bit longer, but. You know, we'll, we'll do we'll do what we want. Yep. Um. All right, Nick. Uh. So where were we? Last movie was Dalton's. Was it License to Kill? It was
0: License to Kill. It was License
1: to Kill. Where'd we Where'd we leave
0: off? Well, we left off with License to Kill doing okay at the box office, not doing too well in America. Uh, but the production team was ready to do a new Bond for the nineties uh, when uh, legal trouble did hit. So if we just kind of review, uh, MGM and United Artists uh, were sold off uh, to a company. Uh, in Italy, uh, that wanted to sell off uh, international rights for the Bond franchise, Cubby and Ian were like, "Absolutely not! This is not our deal." They won the lawsuit, and it took a very long time for that lawsuit to end. Uh, finally, though, uh, the lawsuit just begins like at the tail end of 18, you know, eight, you know excuse me, the lawsuit kind of uh, starts at the tail end of 1889 and early 90. Uh, and it finally finished ups in very late 1992. Uh, during that time, they have that one script with the nano machines and the Scotland and all that sort of stuff, but it's, and, and they're really eager to actively do it, um, but there's just there's just no way that they can do it while this lawsuit is in place because the rights are not, you know, they're mm-hmm. not tangible anymore. They're just kind of whoever owns it. Right. Uh, but finally, the lawsuit does get settled in late 92, and there's some...
1: How many lawsuits were Eon? Yeah, for Eon is this this, uh, this point. is like how
0: much legal trouble have they been through um, at this point they've been in well not trouble really but really engagement. two and kind of three yeah. um, well no three three because uh, they had the Kevin McClory lawsuit stuff and for Thunderball. They had the uh, Harry Saltzman lawsuit stuff at the end of *Go Man with the Golden Gun, and then they have this one coming in. So this is their third one, and really the both of their major breaks, um, at least up to this point, mm-hmm. were due to the lawsuits. The Man with the Golden Gun uh, had that like three-year gap, and this one ends up being about a six-year gap in terms of from uh, when License to Kill... You know, released in 1989 to Golden Knife finally releasing in 1995. So, um, so now, like, here, before, yeah.
1: you, before you do that, I want to check something real quick. Hang on to your, your things, kids. It just gets so hot okay, yeah. in this room, <laughs> and I'm trying to get air in it. Uh,
0: anyway, okay. The, the
1: struggles are real. This is what so, we bring to you guys.
0: Alright, so yeah, so the lawsuit finally ends in late December 1992 and then into 1993 there is some more transitions uh, in the ownership of MGM. Mm -hmm. Uh, But basically by May of 1993 the new ownership of MGM is now finally on board with producing what would become the 17th Bond picture. Um, So they begin to figure out what they want to do with it. um, And As of that initial planning in May 1993, Dalton was still on board. Dalton was ready to come back for another Bond movie. Um, But there were some questions about the contract. So basically, Dalton's original contract was either four films or it expired in 1993, whatever came first. So generally speaking, the four films wouldn't have normally gone on to the point where it would have been, you know, 1990 would have been the third film. And in theory, 1992, 1993 would have been that fourth film in the end of his contract. Mm -hmm. But because of the delays in production, you know, Dalton had only done two films, still technically had two more films on his contract, but it could end in 1993. So there were some a little bit of questions about getting that film out quickly or at least renegotiating with Dalton. Right. So, um... But at first, Dalton's is on board. But there are other questions about the Bond franchise, um, in terms of questions about its relevancy in that day and age. It's 1993 now, right? Um, yes. so, yeah. So, two things have kind of happened within culture uh, uh, between you know License to Kill coming out and this new production. The, the major one being that the Cold War has officially ended, that mm. the USSR has broken up. You know, Russia is its own country now. Um, you know, the Berlin Wall has fallen, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and especially that the spy genre that the Bond franchise had been, you know, a really big part of in the 60s, you know, Bond was really the last surviving member of the spy, you know, genre. Right. And, you know, there were other kind of little things in the 70s and 80s relating to the Cold War, but really... Well, he is the spy. He is the yeah. spy. Yeah, he, he is the he, spy. But it, it, he's the definitive spy but, in the spy genre. But it, with with a post Cold War world, yeah. does the spy genre and does the yeah. spy have relevancy? Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that kind of happens in the which round- is
1: fascinating to me because I don't really consider the Bond movies to be so. I guess they're all influenced by it, but I don't consider them to be like Cold War no, movies.
0: But I do think that's one of those things – it's it's one of those interesting things, though, because I think when – the people who would say that yeah. kind of have that general view sure, of what sure, Bond yeah. is. Like, they kind of say, oh, no, he's he's fighting the Russians, when really he doesn't fight the Russians that often. Yeah. Like, oh, he's, he's involved with the Cold War and all the spying stuff. Well, it's valid. I mean, it, it's yeah. definitely
1: influenced yeah. it, but it's just funny when you look at the actual content. Mm-hmm. It's not like – he's fighting Russians every week.
0: But there's still that kind of question about, like, you know, is, is Bond something for the 90s? Is Bond something that can exist in the 90s? And the other thing that's happening kind of in film, and especially in American cinema at the time, is the rise of the blue-collar hero. You've got, you know, Die Hard and John McClane. You've got, like... When the, was Die Hard? Uh, uh, late 80s, 88. Okay. Um, and you've got, like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like the big manly, you know, you know guy, predator, and all that sort of stuff as mm-hmm. well. You've got, a, you know, you've got, you know... Um, uh, Lethal Weapon, which has like you know, kind of you know these cops that are just regular. guys. So you have 80s action movies, right? But essentially. Like, but just yeah. like, like you know, Bond still has this aura of being like the sophisticated hero, you know, mm-hmm. with the quip and you know he he likes his you know martini and he's always in a tuxedo. And you have all these kind of more rough and tumble, edgy, blue collar, you know, you know kind well, you of regular also, guys. that you are also just,
1: have a transition in like the type of male action yes. hero too, yeah, because like Bond was definitely like you know they uh heighten the the masculine the sexuality the suaveness uh and then definitely the 80s became a lot more of like you know tough guys like that kind of stuff
0: well, so there there's that kind of questions, and, and the other major question surrounding the Bond franchise is the health of Covey Broccoli. Mm. Uh, so over the course of that lawsuit, just from naturally, you know, Covey is getting older, and he's starting to have a lot more health issues that started uh, during License to Kill, but have really kind of his his health has deteriorated over time. Mm-hmm. Um, How so, old would he be by this point? Uh, he would be in like his seventies, uh, you know, yeah. sometime in his seventies, eighties. And for that reason... Should sure have ate more broccoli.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Got him! Sometimes I get Nick. I love it when, <laughs> when like, I sneak and, up and on Cubby, him. And uh, Cubby
0: also has planned for a, both a triple bypass surgery and, mm. and eye surgery around the course of, while wow, they're producing this movie now. Uh, so Cubby does take a step back into a consulting role. Uh, and this does lead to the rise of our new bond producing team, mm-hmm. we have Michael G. Wilson, who has been, you know, a creative force on these movies, you know, since Man with the Golden Gun, and he's been raising up, becoming a producer, and he's been a lead producer on this franchise actually for quite a bit. Really, uh, you know, the end of the Moore era, beginning of the Dalton era is really M- Michael G. Wilson becoming, you know, one of the main guys at Eon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his new and
1: was he like a co- he? And he like was a. Came up the ranks,
0: yeah. Like of he, he was—he wasn't was, just like a new guy coming in. No, no, no. He was—he uh, was Cubby Broccoli's stepson. Right. Um. But he started. He was one person that started low, and and kind of you know as he came up with more creative ideas for the franchise, moved himself up the ladder. Right. At the end. Uh, but his new partner in crime is Barbara Broccoli, mm-hmm. uh, Cubby's daughter. Uh, who has really started to get into film production around uh, actually the living daylights uh, yeah the living daylights, so she really rose quickly up the ranks of, of eon and 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 became the new kind of head of the Broccoli clan, so to speak, mm-hmm. in terms of creating these films uh, so they are very much you know the new team, and as they discuss wants to do it 's really Barbara who really says well, we need to make a Bond movie, like a modernized Bond movie. We need to focus ourselves on on doing the Bond of the 90s. What's mm-hmm. what's going to appeal to a modern-day audience? Yeah. Uh, so they they hire a bunch of new writers, and there's pitchings, and really what the main thing they decide to do is to f- really create the first movie-original Bond story. Because uh, even stuff like, you know, License to Kill was mostly original, but it still took very much elements from the Fleming books. Mm-hmm. At most, you could say Goldeneye script is inspired by you know kind of the actual base plot for Moonraker, but really this is a fully original script with fully original characters, mm-hmm. other than the major character roles of Bond and M and Penny that come from you know the Bond the right. and Fleming books. Right. So what kind of changed for Dalton? Just to get in a little more detail for that real quick, um, Dalton was going to do one more film. That was his intention. He wanted to just he wanted to come back do one more. He felt like he owed the team that one more film and then he was going to be done. He had moved on. Mm-hmm. Cubby Barbara and Wilson all kind of talked about it and they were worried that they would kind of turn into they didn't want it especially for a big relaunch of the Bond franchise essentially they didn't want to turn it into a diamonds are forever situation where they like they do a movie knowing that like you know Connery or Dalton whatever is going to do one and then they immediately have to start all over again for the next one and do another kind of relaunch of the Bond character Uh, so they tell Dalton that he does have to finish his contract of two films if he does want to come back Mm -hmm. and Dalton decides I don't want to commit to that too so he's done uh so now the bond team it is kind of discussing whether to continue forward with this script or to go another different direction Mm -hmm. there is a pitch at mgm at the time to reboot the bond franchise as a 60s period piece set of films uh that would kind of get back to like what the connery films were at that time and kind of take it back in that era but we'll uh, Bar- barbara broccoli is very insistent let's just we have this good script in golden eye it's modern it's gonna you know get the audiences we don't need to do anything else yeah. we just need to find that's definitely
1: body. that's definitely something they would do now yeah. like i could oh, yeah. definitely see that as a possibility as a now. possibility for the yeah.
0: future yeah um so now they still have this script they still have you know they might need to make some little alterations to kind of take it away from from actually being you know adult movie and and kind of make it more a little more general just a new bond but they have this script intact uh so now they just need to figure out who they want to be bond uh so uh mgm even the new ownership in mgm once again goes back to like oh we can probably get mel gibson to do it <laughs> but the broccoli is like We're, we've moved on from the mel gibson thing. right right um most famously uh barbara broccoli Really wants Liam Neeson uh, in the role really? of James Bond. Yeah, hey, watch le- it you're leaning up on the wires in the computer. Yeah. So um, yeah. So Barbara Broccoli really wants Liam Neeson, who's coming off a great performance in Schindler's List, is becoming kind of a bigger rising star. That's her top pick. Uh, but Liam just declines. Doesn't <laughs> even audition. Doesn't come in. Just declines. Uh, Hugh Grant also auditions for the role.
1: <laughs> what?
0: Yeah. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Dude, he's more of like
1: an M. He's not a Bond. Come on, (laughs) Hugh Grant's like two. Well, he Uh, didn't get it. So my name is Bond,
0: James Bond. (laughs) Uh, And so it's Cubby Broccoli who, you know, even though he's having these surgeries, he's still in that consulting role. And it's his idea that, like, why don't we go back to Brosnan? We had cast him before. He's kind of a perfect Bond, you know, perfect casting for Bond. He's got it. He's got everything we want, and I think he'd he'd really be a hit with audiences. Um, but Brosnan, at this point, had actually temporarily retired from acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife had tragically died mm. in late '87, and he actually had retired until about 1992, when this, you know, these productions were coming into the set. Uh, so there was a backup plan if Brosnan didn't want to do it of a man named Paul McGann uh, who would end up becoming uh, the eighth Doctor Who uh, in an ill-fated American reboot of the Doctor Who series. Um, so they had Paul McGann if they, if Brosnan said no uh, and actually when the Bond uh, rule had come up Brosnan's agent had asked do you want me to like talk to them and see if we can get you an audition and Brosnan's like I, it's not going to happen for me again it's I'm i I had my chance yeah it didn't work like
1: and that's interesting because if you recall the listeners recall like there was that whole ordeal Mm -hmm. where you know he was almost bond up until the press announcement yeah um and then it was literally like don't go on stage yeah (laughs) he's literally like tony stark wanting to bring spider-man out yeah and then spider-man says no like that (laughs) that is in, in in a certain way it's almost like that
0: <laughs> it, it, that's really funny. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine like edit that scene with like just the heads on it. Yeah, it's like hubby yeah. broccoli. Oh, like,
1: no, but I'm like, like, think about it from his perspective. Like, he's yeah. like, listen, I was literally about to go on stage as James Bond and I got the news that I couldn't. Yeah. Like, I, like, and, let, and he's like, it's not, not going to happen. Yeah. But
0: essentially, when. The producers reached out to his agent and his agent came back and was like, Hey, they they want you back. Mm-hmm. And Brosnan was like, Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say no because now I have the availability. So
1: Brosnan And also was, they could, because it wasn't on Eon that no, that happened. No, it wasn't. It was on whatever network that was, Remington uh, Steele was. It was on. CBS. CBS, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so and then he was like, Well, I guess I I have my check-in opportunity. So uh, he decides to take it. Yeah. And the last thing the last piece they need for this modernized Bond, yeah, uh, is the director. Yeah, okay, so yeah. really there were only two choices. They asked one guy, he didn't do it, and then the other guy said yes. Yeah, the first guy they asked was John Woo. Yes. So John Woo was asked to what? do. Oh my god, what was his American output at the time? Uh, not, not too much, I don't think, because he hadn't done Face Off yeah. yet. He hadn't, you know. <laughs> but John Woo got caught in that.
1: People liked him, but then. They definitely didn't want him to make John Woo movies. Like mm-hmm. he was like part of that era yeah. of auteur. What people still complain happened today, even though I'd argue not as much. Uh, so
0: once Wu Wu said he he declined, but he was very honored uh, to be offered the the bond, you know, a big franchise like that at that time. But it was just like he had other projects in the works. Uh, so they go with a New Zealand director Martin Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, who was had made a big splash for himself for a BBC miniseries called Edge of Darkness, uh, and he was just kind of like, especially Barbara, and looked at that Goldeneye script and looked at like if we're gonna modernize, we're gonna make this a little bit kind of more real and dark, uh, but still keeping that Bond flair. She just felt Martin Campbell fit that perfectly. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, as kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, when she does another Bond reintroduction to do, she gets Martin Campbell to do it again. So mm-hmm. she, they had a very right. nice relationship. Right. Uh, with that, we have a director, they have our Bond, they start with the rest of the casting process. Mm-hmm. So Martin Campbell, his main requirement for being a Bond director, and this is absolutely true, was he really wanted Judi Dench as that was like one of his b- top awesome. choices. Um, so Robert Brown, uh, who had been doing Bond uh, had passed away in between. So they definitely needed a new M. Mm-hmm. And Martin Campbell took no, you know, no hesitation of like we need Judi Dench as M. Um, you know, she it was inspired kind of by the real life MI5 finally having a female director. Martin Campbell actually wrote her a personal letter uh, to say I want you to do this movie. Uh, and what's cool about Judy Dench is she was so honored to be take the role of M, not only because she enjoyed Bond movies uh, in her in her youth, uh, you know, in the past, but she was actually um, the you know friends with the original M, and one of her first friends in the industry was the first M mm-hmm. uh, when she was doing just TV work. So she was honored to kind of take a role from someone she considered a personal friend.
1: Also, like if we're talking about like the Bonds that we're introduced to, like Judy Dench is my M, like. Yeah she has always been m yeah. to me well, to the I mean, point that like any other m even the old original ones feel weird mm-hmm. to me she like is, this
0: is the this she is m uh, she is M yeah. as well. Yeah. No, it's just, and it's just, she's going to be M for a very long time. Very so. long. Yeah. yeah. Also, she's, she's got a very good exposition voice, which I'll talk about. In she's
1: moment. like, honestly, she is like one of those, like to me, at least like the JK Simmons, J Jonah Jameson, mm-hmm. where it's just like, I just like, how
0: can you, how can you do something else? Yeah. How,
1: like really, how can you do something else? Yeah. Yeah. All right.
0: So our next cast. Sorry, got... Rafe Fines mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We also have Sean Bean as uh, the villain in this movie, Alec Trevelyan. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is actually pretty interesting. Also known as 006. 006, yes, yes, at one point. yeah. Uh, So what's very interesting is that in the original script, like the script that that Barbara Broccoli approved and cast Brazen on, the Alec Trevelyan character was actually a different sort of uh, called Augustus Trevelyan. And he was a mentor character for Bond mm-hmm. instead of being like... His, I, 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 uh, he was a, 008. I, yeah. <laughs> instead of being a contemporary of Bond in the opening sequence, he was a mentor. It was, was that uh, old Michael G. Wilson idea from his uh, you know, young Bond idea for uh, Round Living Daylights where like, oh, Bond has a mentor and then he has to kind of fight the mentor. This was the original idea. So they originally contact Anthony Hopkins to play uh, the uh, mentor character mm-hmm. for Bond. Uh, and he declines, and then they also ask Alan Rickman. Yeah. Wait, when? Because when was the first Mission Impossible? Because that uh, sounds a lot like
1: the first Mission Impossible. Actually, if the you year got,
0: Mission, your first Mission Impossible is going to come out a year after this. Yeah,
1: because it definitely sounds like you have a John Voight type character. Yeah. you can definitely see Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, they do. They at first ask yeah.
0: Anthony Hopkins, and then they also ask Alan Rickman. Yeah. But Alan Rickman's like, I'm done playing villains, so he wants to do something yeah. else. Was well, then they he becomes Snape, but that's a whole different thing. Um so then there's someone at MGM who, who suggests, well, what about Sean Bean? Like, what's, what, what, what if we took this to make it a little bit different? Uh, so the whole idea being that now they kind of make uh, the Alec Trevelyan character kind of the son of these, you know, the, the whole Cossack Russians instead of being actually one from back in the day. Uh, but Sean Bean is cast as Alec Trevelyan. You have uh, score Aleto as uh, Natalia Simovna, the main Bond girl in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, main thing about her was that she was a Polish actress uh, who this was her uh, English film debut. Oh, nice! Uh, so Sweet. this was uh, this was a big opportunity for her, and she said she was very nervous, but you know, of course, very honored that like someone, you know, Martin Campbell was very big in international cinema. Yeah, uh, and so he noticed her in, in like a Polish production, yeah. and, and it decided to cast her. And then also Alan Cumming also as, uh, dude. Boris. Come on, Nikonovich. Alan Cumming. Uh, only thing I noted, I don't, I, I didn't really find much of him just talking about this movie, but in the press conference, he's just wearing his, like pr- the press conference, uh, for introducing the cast, he's just wearing his pajamas. Like he literally is just <laughs> wearing pajamas. So Alan Cumming seems like a pretty cool dude. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, also want to mention, uh, so, uh, Colby Brockley is very insistent that Desmond Leland come back as Q, and mm-hmm. uh, so Desmond Leland come back as Q. Uh, but we also have a new Money Penny and, and Samantha Bond. Her name is Samantha Bond. Yeah, is Money Penny. Uh, so it is noted that this is the first time that Bond, Money Penny, and M have all been recast in the same film. And the only holdover from those previous Bond movies is Q. Uh, so Desmond Leland does get another chance to come up. Uh, cannot get through this without first mentioning. Uh, fam Jensen. Oh, fam K as Genia, Jean Grey herself. Genia on the top. Uh, wait, on the top, on the top. <laughs> so, um, in the, in the script. The on-the-top character was very much less over-the-top than she was. She was well, still I mean, kind of... Mas- well, here, well, here's the thing. Are we going to explain
1: who the character is? Yeah, I'm going to I think we
0: need to yeah. do that if so we're going to talk about a, that. So she is a henchman. She's like the main henchman in this movie. Yes. And her whole deal is that yeah. she's a sadomasochist. That yeah. She, she gets pleasure from pain. And I we'll talk about it more in the movie, I, but she—I
1: really want to start talking about this. This I, is like, oh my god, you're killing me.
0: No, I, I, we got to save it for oh, some fuck. movie. All right, but yeah. I want to say so she she the character is a lot less over the top in the script. Yeah. Uh, but Jensen is very eager to kind of throw herself into the role, and everybody's like, okay, let's let's go with this. Let's let's boost this up. So they develop the character kind of more. Kind of an over-the-topness. And in fact, most of the reshoots on this movie were actually toning down the Famke Jensen scenes. Yeah. Because there was a lot more risque yeah. stuff in those sequences. I, I, could, I could guess. But the last thing I want to mention from a casting perspective. Yeah. It really the main interesting thing about this movie is a lot of the casting.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Is... Both Joe Don Baker as Jack Wade. Yeah. And Robbie Coltrane as uh, Valentin Sikowski Yeah,
1: because so, the... um, What's his name? The first one. Joe Don Baker. Yeah, he's a returning, right? Yeah, so yeah.
0: Well, that's one thing about him. He played the villain Brad Whitaker in Living Daylights. The arms dealer. The arms dealer. Yeah. Brad Whitaker, the arms dealer? Uh, <laughs> he's now playing CIA agent Jack Wade. Yeah. Um, That is a holdover from when the script was a Dalton script. Because in the original Dalton script obviously it was a sequel to you know license to kill yeah basically jack wade was a replacement for felix who had now retired due to his injuries so this was going to be my question watching it i thought that this was
1: another movie that had the case of the legal couldn't use certain aspects of the bond Thing for some reason mm. I don't know why I thought that But I thought that Because there's like An organization thing Where I'm like Alright that could easily Be Spectre If they yeah. wanted it to And this character Could easily be Felix Right So I was wondering yeah. If that was a holdover so, and, Or is that like Or was it just like That was always that character yeah. It never was So that was a holdover
0: specific um in the sense that um, i kind of wish it was felix though yeah i would not mind that being the new felix, felix yeah. for these movies uh, but basically in the dalton version of the script it was more explicit that like bond is like upset that he can't work with felix anymore and like he has to deal with this you know you know jimbo and all that sort of stuff right like, but yeah at, like the the character kind of stays as like those specific references get taken out yeah robbie coltrane on the other hand the future Hagrid. Yeah. Um,
1: is that who that is? Mm-hmm.
0: Fuck! I knew I recognized them. Uh, so in the original Dalton version of the script, that was su- that character with with some alterations was supposed to be the return of John Rhys-Davies' General Pushkin from The Living Daylights. Right. Um, and sort of kind of dealing with okay, he was a he was a KGB. Now that the KGB has kind of you know disbanded and the Russia has fallen, what's that kind of character doing? Uh, but they again. They just kind of shift the character around once it becomes a non-Dalton production, mm-hmm. uh, but that's just some, some interesting stuff. The holdovers,
1: yeah, cool. All right, cool. so just
0: so what do we have for
1: production stories? Just brief, some brief stuff. Okay, There's not right. really
0: a lot production-wise in this movie. I can get through these very quickly. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's get it. Uh, let's get. Through so one them. thing that is interesting to note is that uh, when they were filming this movie, Pinewood Studios was completely booked out and unavailable. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to do some some ideas like what where can we film, what kind of studio we film. And it, it turns out that Ian just started their own little film production studio. Uh, mm-hmm. So they they find a uh, where are they where at. A, it's a formal Rolls Royce facility uh, <laughs> at, at uh, Levensdale Airfield, just twenty miles outside of oh, London. Fuck, yeah. Uh, and so it just has a big hangars. It has this big runway that they can use. And it eventually becomes a major, actually, new production studio in in, in, uh, in Europe. Yeah. Uh, and actually becomes a major. Who's the partner? Who's the parent
1: company at this or the partner company? or a studio like where are they getting their money
0: uh it's back to being it's MGM and yeah, MGM are, yeah okay. so it's, right. it is still MGM you so you this are. is kind of like when
1: Marvel was doing like their par- paramount thing yeah
0: uh so right before production begin Brosnan does injure himself he severs the tendon on his little finger uh getting out of a pool uh, so production uh, is delayed a little bit and he's he's in his head like oh, I I screwed this up already but just like, <laughs> we, we, we got this buddy we got you um so the big they actually start with the ending sequence, the big yeah. dish in Puerto Rico. Yeah,, uh, so the ending takes place in Puerto Rico, but it's at, or sorry, it takes place in Cuba is filmed in Puerto Rico at the uh, one of the largest spherical radar radio telescopes in the world. This actually this the real life telescope actually mapped out Venus and sends like constant messages into space about life on Earth. So uh-huh. it's an actually major you know technological space thing. Um, so they do actually film on it around it um, with lots of permission from the people there, uh, but most of that is a miniature. Uh, and and they wanted to find a real lake in Puerto Rico, but they couldn't, so they built a. miniature. That's the lake.
1: one thing, like, because I've been rewatching a lot of the Hazy Godzilla movies mm-hmm. to um, you know, prepare for this. And even on the big screen, especially on the big screen, I can spot out a miniature now mm-hmm. like, <laughs> when there is one. Like, yeah. there's definitely like, I mean, and it's good. It's really good work. But it's like definitely. Oh, that's a
0: miniature. One of my favorite stories from this production. Uh-huh. Uh So also early in the movie, you have that kind of chase between the Aston Martin, yeah. which is like again kind of Bond, the Bond team being like, well, let's let's just throw in some old school Bond just to appeal to like you remember this, this is a legacy. So they have the old school Aston Martin uh, being driven by Bond and Famke Jensen, uh, who is in the uh, Ferrari, right? Uh, and so. Uh, Famke Jensen did a lot of her own stunt driving as well because again, oh, she fuck. was, she was all, all Dude, all, she is a beast yeah, in this Yeah, she's all in on this. Uh, and the stunt driver, Remy, uh, uh, Julie, uh, Julian, is a very big stunt driver. And he said that there was one point where, you know, the, he had to roll up next to the Rolls Royce, or sorry, the, the uh, the Ferrari and kind of do the right next to each other. And it was tough because obviously the Ferrari is much faster than the Aston Martin. So they right. had to do a lot of stuff. But he, like, looked over towards the Ferrari and, like, saw Femke Jensen, and she had that smile because they had, like, the rig for her. Right, yeah. And he got so, she has the yeah, act. Yeah, she's she got He got so lost in her smile, like, that he <laughs> almost missed a turn just ahead. Like, he was, like, he was just kind of, like, the, like, you know, he was, like, oh, the field faded away, and then, oh, no. Uh, and then, also, at one point, the Ferrari stalled, and they got hit, but everybody was okay. 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 Um, one thing we should note at the very beginning of the movie you have that dam jump.
1: Yes, okay. This so was a big one. This
0: was a big one. Uh, so it was a record breaker at the time. It was yeah. the biggest like uh jump off a uh, like a standing structure in, yeah. in history, a bungee jump. Uh it was six hundred and forty foot dive. Yeah. Uh, so, that's the
1: Hoover Dam, right? Uh yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I mean, a, it's not in the movie. Yeah.
0: It is kind of funny because that's
1: so clearly the Hoover Dam mm-hmm. and they use it as like some sort of like Russian, Russian installation. Yeah. Uh
0: so it's a man named Wade Michaels. And BJ Worth, who has been the production uh, stunt team leader of these past movies, you know, he's the guy who jumped off the Eiffel Tower and all that sort of stuff. Uh, He is in charge of the, you know, all the stunt work on this movie. So he's kind of planning the jump. And Wayne Michaels has said that it was a very. Intense jump sure so close to that damn wall that any sort of random wind pocket could put them to the wall Oh sure, Um, but it was it went relatively smoothly the other part of that opening sequence that I want to mention is that That motorcycle jump and it because it's a it's one of the hardest jump stunts They've had to do mostly because when's the
1: motorcycle jump
0: It's right at the end of the uh, the opening sequence when the motorcycle jumps off after the plane Oh God
1: yeah, oh yes (laughs)
0: <laughs> so
1: it's a very <laughs> I think I may have given that a standing ovation when we went to go see
0: it. I was like 100% yeah. my type of thing. So that was a, one of the hardest stunts to do um, because it's a very precise timing for the shot. Yeah. You have to have the plane go off and the motorcycle come off right after it. So So um, to,
1: to I mean to, to explain what it
0: is. Yeah. The
1: like I know this is getting ahead but Basically, Bond's chasing after a running uh uh, plane. Yeah. Uh, and that goes off of the ramp over a cliff. Mm -hmm. So as it falls off of the cliff, like kind of like drives off and arcs down. Bond drives after it on a motorcycle. Drives the motorcycle off the edge off the cliff, and then jumps off of the motorcycle. And then just the arc of his fall takes him down to the to the plane hops in the plane and then flies off it is insane it, and it is one of those things that gives mission impossible a run for its money yeah. as far as i'm concerned
0: so the, i it, i lost my mind when i was so that this. jump was a very precise time to get that shot sure so uh, again bj worth was in charge of it but the man on the motorcycle was a man named jacques Zo yeah his name is zoo Manute, uh is what <laughs> everybody calls him uh and so it was a very nervous scene at first but then once the first time they did it, Zoo was like, no, let's keep going. Let's get this shot absolutely down. So eventually, they drove seven motorcycles off that cliff uh-huh. uh, and eventually got the perfect shot that you see in the movie. Yeah. Uh, the second part where Bond is falling after the plane was actually BJ Worth diving. So he would dive out of the plane and like dive like right after what it. What were the safety precautions of this? Um... Like in terms of well Like he, how do they shoot this? I well, understand the, the stunt. The, the first part is they shoot the motorcycle, he jumps off the plane, yeah. he drops the motorcycle, and then he has a parachute that he that he goes off. <laughs> Jesus. Um BJ Worth's one was a little bit different in that. Again, he also had a parachute, but he would like he would jump out of the plane as it was like in a nosedive, and then like the shot would be like as if Bond was like coming out, like But jiving. where would they film this? Uh it was off a cliff somewhere. Uh, it's not that cliff though
1: it's not that drop no yeah yeah Imagine all those planes you got to go through too. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
0: so the thing about the BJ Worth one is that like he tried his best to like get the perfect. He wanted to, like actually get back into the plane, but yeah. he just couldn't fall fast enough for the plane. Yeah. Uh, and he also had to deal with kerosene from the from the plane hitting him in the face. Fuck. So eventually that shot was finished with the digital effect. But BJ yeah. Worth said it was his biggest regret because he knew he could get the shot, and he he always thought he could still yeah. do. I don't know that one. That one's pretty good because
1: it's not like earlier where. You know, you have that big jump and then you can clearly tell where, like, oh, now it's the matte work. Now it's the green screen. What is there any wrap up things about we're leading into this? Because much like some of our other ones, this is a whole new era. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing about like, all right, now it's the 90s and we are definitely
0: playing off of this. Like the Cold War is over. Yeah. And, it's and, definitely and, a big change. And it change. really is like this is this is kind of one of those productions where it's like if this doesn't go right, is this the end of Bond? There was like internal you know, film analysts that were like, well, Bond is best left as as an icon of the past. Like you, you can't modernize this character in this genre. It, it's just audiences are not, you know, there were a lot of people that thought that audiences weren't gonna be interested in the return of the Bond franchise. From, you know, a pop culture perspective, you know, a license to kill, again, fairly successful, but again, didn't 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 do bond numbers in America, and was relatively lower than like the bonds that surrounded it. Right. Even, even in the UK, like it was fine. It still made 150 million, but it again, it was that kind of like what's the perception? And now you had by you know by the time Bull Nine actually comes out in 1995, you had a six year gap, in which case you know you had a lot more of these 80s action movies, a lot more of these franchises coming up. And a lot of, you know, these new action heroes, as we mentioned before, and, like, there was that question. Were audiences, were kind of come out for the return of this Bond character? And if they don't come out for the return of this Bond character, then where can we go from here?
1: Well, Nick, we certainly um, came out for a Bond screening of our own. Yep. Uh, we were actually able to see this one in theaters. It mm-hmm. just... Uh, but it was definitely an awesome, it was an experience. awesome experience, and I'm excited to talk about this movie. So, so let's get into Goldeneye. Without further ado, uh, we're going to take a break, because I need to pee. And, and then we'll get to Goldeneye. There we go. Yep.
2: You don't like me, Bond. You don't like my methods. You think I'm an accountant. A bean counter more interested in my numbers than your instincts. The thought
3: had occurred to me.
2: Good. Because I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. A relic of the Cold War whose boyish charms, though wasted on me, obviously appeal to that young woman I sent out to evaluate you. Point taken. Not quite, W 007. If you think for one moment I don't have the balls to send a man out to die, your instincts are dead wrong. I've no compunction about sending you to your death, but I won't do it on a whim, even with your cavalier attitude towards life.
0: And we're back. <laughs> we're back to talk about Goldeneye in yes. 19... The 1990s. Well, we're in the 90s. This is our time. Yeah, our our legacy is here in this era. It is. So, uh, if without further ado, we're gonna pop in the uh,
1: the cartridge, and we are going to do a let's play of Golden. Wait, r- that's what we're doing, right? Right. Well, we'll talk. Yeah. We'll, we will talk <laughs> about that
0: later uh, in the aftermath. The infamous specifically,
1: Nintendo 64 video game, which mm. I, that was. Uh,
0: I missed that train.
1: You know, I was more of a Smash Bros. Yeah, platformer guy. I, I did never get I did get
0: in that game a little bit later. I I um, bought it from a friend and, and got really into it. Nick,
1: uh, so I had seen this movie while ago, mm-hmm. um, so I was familiar with it, but some of the details were a little bit fuzzy. So this just this really came out at just the right time. Yeah, because so- a community theater. Around us, mm-hmm. where they were having a Bond month, and Goldeneye just like happened on like the just at the right time, and yeah. You know, so the, it was the like, one thing I will say, yeah, about Yeah, they showed
0: it. a movie from like uh, almost every Bond except Craig. Yeah, uh, and uh, the last last week of the month, their screening was Goldeneye because it, it was their is their Brosnan movie. If you get to see, if you get the chance to see a
1: movie that you didn't get to catch in theaters, go to
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I I just saw that
1: uh, I just saw uh, Guardians. Uh, the, the first one,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And I had seen it in theaters, but it just hadn't It'd been a while right. since 2014. Uh, and then uh, a friend of mine and I are going to check out The Dark Knight as well. And it's just like it really just maybe it's just for us but you really just enjoy that theater experience. Yeah, like,
0: I, I've I've had classic screenings, like, of this movie, Golden High was yeah. fantastic. Muppet movie was fantastic, like, in a crowd. It's just so much fun to be a part of a crowd and, like, to hear everybody else laughing at the, at the, well, at halfway, the things you Well, halfway through this movie,
1: I was like, fuck, nah, we gotta go back to watching... Both the like Godzilla and like I was like fuck can we watch like Bio Lanny on like the big screen like yeah we'll, we'll have to yeah. look maybe maybe we can get lucky again yeah it's just like man it was just so much fun uh, to do it and yeah, and, and it, again so I yeah had seen and it, it. this
0: was like a very lucky break because it was a very yeah. good way to see this movie
1: so here's how I want to start I want to hear what you have to say about it and skipping a little bit ahead I want to know what the before I get my opinions about it what what is the aura around this movie what's the conversation around this movie
0: okay so what are my thoughts yeah this movie is fantastic uh-huh. absolutely you know near perfect honestly um and it's it's a movie that as you watch it you can feel the iconicness of it coming in mm-hmm. like just when you're watching it you can just feel how this became an iconic piece of pop culture and an iconic piece of cinema right because uh, the aura around this movie is that it is this is where people say the bond franchise modernizes that it reinvents itself uh, for a modern film age for a modern audience and, yeah, so, like, the Dalton films are, like, the transition. It's, like, it's got pieces of the old Bond and pieces, you know, the old Bond way, because it got, like, the, you know, all the original people in it, but it kind of gets into that kind of more modernist, like, kind of grittier nature of, of things. But, what, Goldeneye is really where people are, like, okay, no, this, this is the modern Bond. This is where Bond fully comes in into being, like, a true piece of art. Right. True, to to truly finds its place in cinema for really for some people for like the, for the first time since like from rush when love and goldfinger like this is where like bond really makes his makes his place right uh, and some people also would say that you know this is really where bond really truly makes a pop culture you know like really becomes like a, an iconic pop culture not just because of the movie but kind of the other you know the modern merchandising and and other aspects of of this movie that come out like kind of afterwards as well mm-hmm. uh nick top five Oh, absolutely. it's top five easily like easily this top is
1: five easily. I loved this movie. This is and it, I was actually kind of surprised because, again, I had seen it and I and again, I guess I just didn't remember this is before. Like I really got entrenched in this stuff. So maybe I really wasn't ingesting it as much. And also, like, you know, probably when I I'm slightly a different person in terms of like I dive into my tastes a lot harder mm-hmm. than I used to. Um, but this was one of those things where I was expecting, honestly, to go in maybe enjoy it, but just kind of refamiliarize myself with it. Yeah. I, I was not preparing to love it as much as yeah. I did. But I, wa- this is the first Bond movie in a while that I just thoroughly just enjoy top to bottom. Mm -hmm. Like, I just thought it made so many right choices. It's bonkers and some, it's still silly. It's got a lot of the silly stuff in it. But I also thought that the plot was very refreshing. Mm -hmm. I was able to follow the whole thing. (laughs) Uh, I loved, I loved, I I liked Bond. I liked the villain. Loved the female characters in this. Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. I just, I absolutely fell in love with it, watching it and instantly like top, top five bonds. This was like actually easily. like
0: like an even bigger version of how I felt about License to Kill because License to Kill like you know I, I enjoyed that like, movie but that was one where it's like oh I you know I had seen it before and I had my thoughts and like for some reason like that screening that we had or just maybe because we saw the whole thing and just the context of like doing it in these orders. Like, that movie was like, okay, I, I appreciate this a lot more. Mm-hmm. And GoldenEye is, like, a step above that. Where it's like, I, I had watched... Like, this was a movie that I had actually watched in between, like, doing these Bond movies. Just, like, when I was just like, I just want to put something on. golden oh, GoldenEye is very familiar. And I remember, like, I enjoyed that screening. You know, I was kind of doing work. And I was like, yeah, this, well, is, this, this- is good. But this one, this one, when you just saw it, 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 this screening was basically like, oh, no. This is, like, again, near perfect. This is absolutely, like, all of it just
1: works. This movie made me dislike not dislike i shouldn't go that far but it made me like a little bit more irritable about even the craig movies i like Mm -hmm. like you know what i mean yeah because like so what's like the best way to start this well i guess like the biggest thing is so to go off of what you were saying about they are acknowledging and leaning into this whole like there's this era of bond um Mm -hmm. that you know he was like this cold war secret agent yeah and they lean into that. Yes. And one of the things that I find a little bit annoying even in Skyfall, which I like a lot, but the thing about that movie is like they still play this and almost all the new Bond's do this. Um, is that they play this card of like, you're a relic of the past, Bond. Like, it's yeah. like, you're getting too old for this. Like, and yeah. then, like, but then, like, Skyfall is amazing because it drops it halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like, they talk about it, and then there's like a few things where he's like, oh man, he can't hold on to the elevator as it's going up. Yeah, because he's a human being. Like, <laughs> that doesn't make him old. That just made, that's a hard thing to do, dude. Um, like, he's not like a, he's not Captain America. Um, but, <laughs> And So I kind of get uh, like a little bit like eh, over that. But in this one, like it just felt so organic, the whole like that they kind of, you know, pay a little bit of tribute to like that. Because in many ways, this is like I like when they do this with continuity because it's, it's a spiritual successor mm-hmm. to everything because they kind of imply that. The history of Bond, let's say the history of like Bond movies, still somewhat happened within right. continuity. Yeah, yeah. Like he's been going on missions. He's been sleeping with the girls. Mm-hmm. Like he, you know. Then there. I mean, the quote for this week explains it all. It's M's whole yeah. breakdown. Which again, like, give it up for Judy Dench in this movie. Like she just, she just Her fucking voice is so distinct. It. Like, yeah. like
0: just the way she talks. I I do have a kind of a funny story about Judy Dench still to this day. Yeah, it's not funny. It's just like she does the current narration for like my favorite Disney ride ever, which is Spaceship Earth at, at Epcot. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny because I always hear that, and then I just hear her in these Bond movies. Yeah, and and it's just like it's just like a déjà vu. Like like I'm in like another world, but, but she just delivers that type of stuff. Yeah. so well.
1: I just but I just liked it because though they touch on it without belaboring the point, it's not really the point of the movie mm-hmm. um but that being said it thematically which is not something i've been able to say about a bomb movie in a while but it thematically kind of like leans into this legacy of you know of like the cold war and world war Two and like just it just this legacy of like these international battles essentially yeah, and and
0: and, and- and you know the victims and and the the consequences yeah, of, definitely. Those, in, of and those international every
1: battles. every character is fleshed out on the page in a way that is very subtle uh that you may not notice at first but it's it's very good the villain i think is is great i wasn't sure cuz i thought like yeah, I thought like uh, Trevelyan is that that's his name, right? Yeah, I I, I did think he was going to be a little bit one note, but then they gave him such an interesting backstory. Yeah, like that I I per I personally I personally liked. Um, but I get overall that was just my biggest thing. It's like it was just such like a well thought out action movie. Like again, it's still silly. It's still going to have that trappings that everybody's like not going to yeah. like about a Bond movie. It has no. And that's what I love like now in the director's name remind me one more time Martin Campbell Martin Campbell may be one of my favorites in this franchise now cuz if he did this and Casino Royale there's nothing I like more about a director than versatility yeah. like that because this one will do jokes and silly stuff Yeah. It ha- and it's like very like and what I love about it it's like it's just baked into the DNA in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um and like come like dude the jumping off of the to get to the plane the on stuck, the thing yeah. like that is absurdly stupid Yeah, like you can talk to me about like how it's a real stunt no it's dumb it's absolutely bonkers absolutely. and I love I it I want
0: to say this this cold open like all time best oh like, yeah this is oh, the best oh, cold open whole, yeah. like it's like this the gold finger cold open and like for me like the Spidey love me cold open like those three are like are like the ultimate cold opens of these yeah. Bond movies, but this really has a claim to the top. Plot. Like the whole thing, and this is how you introduce a Bond. Yeah, like starting with that big ass jump, da- damn jump. Yeah, a- and then just the whole bathroom gag. Like, but you also you see him in shadow and all that sort of stuff, and then you get the lots qu- of good silhouettes. Yeah, in and this you get the quip right away. It's like this is how you, you if you're gonna introduce a new Bond. Yeah, this is like this is. Mm, the template that you want. This is a perfect way. This whole opening sequence is entertaining. It's got humor. Oh, it's got and action. he's hiding behind
1: the canisters? He's hiding behind the can- Oh
0: my God, that was so funny. Hiding behind the canisters, and then the general, uh, General Ormoff, who's another major character in this movie, yeah. like the guy, you know, the other guy accidentally, you know, like, you know, nervously shoots and general just shoots him back down, which is again, everybody's nervous in
1: another way, kind of goes back to how they treat the politics in this movie is like they do go out of their way to say a lot of these Bond movies do that. Like if it's the if the Russian is the bad guy, then it's like somebody in the government. It's yeah. not just like
0: Russia is Trying right. to take and, over, and it's and it, it is something like it is, especially like it happens in this one too. It's just like, well, if the rush is the bad guy, it's like, well, it's this one guy. It's like exactly you know, he's, he has this like kind of patriotism, but like the the rest of the government kind of sees it like, no, wait, this is this is don't do this. Yeah. It's kind of dumb, you know. It's 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 an old outside thing, but the whole opening sequence, you know, it sets up the story. It's, it sets up Bond and Alec 007 and 006. The one thing I was a little
1: can like interested about like now maybe it's because I know the movie but they kind of do this two times where they introduce a character who then you think is dead but then ultimately ends up being the bad guy they do that with Trevelyan and then they also do that with Boris later but I was watching it and I wonder if you know anything about movies if it's really obvious that 006 is the bad guy. But when we were watching it again, one of these other things about watching it with the theater, there were a couple people who were like, What? Yeah, <laughs> like so they well, were. I mean, it's it, kinda it, of
0: one of those things too where like especially especially you can know like okay, Sean Bean is kind of an ass major actor. So yeah, it's like yeah. you, you could you could always have the like, oh like he suddenly dies, but also like you kind of know he's coming back type yeah, of thing. Yeah, but his attitude
1: is very much like I, he's yeah. a good guy, but he also may be a villain. Yeah, like oh yeah. well, let's talk about Sean Bean. So Sean Bean's character, Trevelyan. Yeah. Like, so he has this backstory and I and I, I and it caused me to look out because I do that with all my movies. I don't care. Like it's like I treat it as a movie and then it like may be a jumping off point for me to actually research the actual offense. Mm-hmm. But I, so basically they give this whole lesson about how, um, what was it, the Cossacks? Yeah. Is that what it is? That it was like this group of like Ukrainian and Russian people who um, uh, worked for the Nazis. They were like kind of betraying Russia and yeah. they they went to work for the Nazis and then at the end of world war 2 they were trying to you know escape find amnesty elsewhere and you know the britain said no mm-hmm. get out of here and they sent them back to russia where russia exacted uh, their punishment mm-hmm. <laughs> for for many of them yeah. um and how they play this is so and again how they play it for like a bond action movie obviously mm-hmm. But how they play it and how it goes into the plot is, once again, thematically that whole thing about, like, you know, the the, the sins of war and the ghosts of war coming back to haunt you and everything in very interesting ways. Uh, and Trevelyan's character, his father was part of that, and the whole, like, that, that whole event like, yeah. made him go crazy, and then the father killed himself and the mother, and, you know, and... So it's kind of one of those villain plots where there's greater things in mind, but it's also kind of a revenge story, and I'm I'm all about that.
0: Yeah, I do like Alec. I he's the one element of that movie that I think just leans on like you're a relic of the past, Bond. Just a bit too much for me. Like mm. I I think the back what way? Like I just think like a lot of his speeches and a lot of his discussions with Bond. I feel like you could have you know. I just feel like it's like just a tad too much of just like. See, like I that. liked
1: it. I I think, and I, I will I, acknowledge. Here, ultimately,
0: I think it works. I yeah. just think like if you just kind of, you know, dialed some of that stuff a little bit more evenly, I think between the classic stuff and like the I, I think, Bond stuff.
1: Yeah, I think you could have leaned back on the he's evil Bond. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because yeah. they do try to play that one up. Mm-hmm. Like but he's, I, he's, I just feel like he's not as suave when he comes on yeah. to women things yeah. like that. Like,
0: like I think like there just could have been a little bit more of a balance between the two. Yeah. For me. I just think. More so in especially that graveyard scene. I just think that they just pushed that narrative just a bit too much. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, and I, I think it, it balances itself out a little bit more once they get to the base at the end.
1: I don't know. I got I maybe it was because like you find out more about the backstory and what his plan is. Yeah. So maybe like Sean Bean himself, like is serviceable, but how he's written into the story, I yeah. was. But very ultimately invested. It, does, it
0: does I just think it works. So the
1: plot of the movie yeah. is essentially that this um there's a secret kind of there's a secret Russian weapon, right? Called yeah, the Goldeneye. Called the Goldeneye. And they're developing it or it's in the books that this is a weapon that could be developed. Mm-hmm. So And it's kind of like one of those things where the audience is known that it does exist, but the rest of the world thinks it's just, like, a theoretical weapon. Right,
0: or something that was, like, tested or prototyped and maybe never really made to the next, like, level.
1: And what the weapon is, it's Goldeneye, and what it is, it's a satellite that shoots a giant EMP blast, Mm -hmm. which is an an electric magnetic pulse. Yeah. Which is, I don't know if we've mentioned that. We, we must we, have we, No, it. we mentioned it the last episode. Okay, so we mentioned it
0: the last episode.
1: I am obsessed with movies explaining what an EMP is yes. because it's always like, an EMP, do you mean an electric magnetic pulse? And then they explain what it is. This movie
0: may be the king of this explaining This is the what champion of it because A, it's Judy Dench explaining it. It's and several lines. Yeah, it's several lines. <laughs> And, like, it gives you a whole history about it, too. Yeah. It's, like, developed by the, the Wait, Russians. Wait, hold
1: on. I'm going to edit in the, the okay. quote
2: right here. Yeah. Okay. Electromagnetic pulse, a first-strike satellite weapon developed by the, uh- The Americans and Soviets during the Cold War. I've read the brief. Discovered after Hiroshima. Set off a nuclear device in the upper atmosphere. Creates a pulse, a radiation surge that destroys everything with an electronic circuit. The idea being to knock out the enemy's communications for he, she, or they could retaliate.
0: Yeah, um, that's funny. Yeah, but also, do you, yeah, do you know where the name GoldenEye comes from? No. Okay. Well, it comes from the video game. <laughs> Gold- <laughs> the Nintendo 64 so, GoldenEye uh, is actually the one Ian Fleming connection that is in uh, this movie. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, originally, oh, uh, it was Operation GoldenEye was a... Uh, was a plan that was developed by Fleming and his comrades in World War II, because Fleming was an actual spy, as we've kind of briefly mentioned before. Uh, And he developed the plan, Operation GoldenEye, as a backup plan for British intelligence in case the Nazis invaded Spain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eventually, GoldenEye became the name of Ian Fleming's beach house in Jamaica, where he wrote all the Bond novels. Uh, So they decided to take the name GoldenEye, and that would be their one Ian Fleming connection. Oh, Okay. That's interesting. Uh, but yeah, That's so there's cool. this weapon, Golden Eye. It's, it's it looks like an Infinity Stone. It does, a hundred percent. Looks like something this like this would th-
1: definitely be like five movies down. We're gonna find out the Golden Eye was an Infinity Stone. Well, just
0: time. I just I can imagine like Thanos breaking into the base, like all, all the destruction on the base where they yeah, did the yeah. Golden <laughs> Eye. that could that could have been Thanos. <laughs> like you could edit Thanos into there, like yeah. taking the taking the Golden Eye. Um,
1: but so that's the plan and what it does. Like I said, it, it a massive electromagnetic pulse and Trevelyan and ultimately what it is is Trevelyan is trying to use it. And then he gets a bunch of different people together for more like for more profitable means. Like yeah. people can do it. They can There's two plots he wants to do. Like the big super villain one is they can go in and hack into banks and steal all the money. And then when they shoot the EMP, there's no trace of whatever happening. But at the same time, Trevelyan is kind of using it as revenge and his first target is London. London. And it's one of those things like when you wipe out all the cause this is also we're definitely getting into the nineties with this one. Mm-hmm. Like the whole like everything is on computers. Yes. And and honestly, this is a fear I do have of just modern day that when everything is digitized, like once you wipe it all out with like an EMP, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like books where you always have it. Like everything that you own is just is just wiped out. Yeah. So it's kind of playing on that fear, like where if you wiped it all out on the servers. Then you're basically causing a society to collapse, right? Like it's going to be like yeah. you
0: know stock markets yeah. and, and dude, this and was bank my records. jam. Yeah. This was my I, I, like mm-hmm. I'm I'm all on board with yeah. That. And 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 Trevelyan does have a, a nice cast of characters with
1: yeah. him. Yeah, and because it, it, it's kind of one of those he's bringing together pieces he needs and other like again what, Oromov or yeah. whatever is it? he's like the guy who one of the Russian generals.
0: Who would have access to gold nine? He's
1: has access to it, and he's kind of doing it for the power. Like yeah. he's just getting, like Trevelyan's just getting all the pieces in place mm-hmm. for him to ultimately exact his revenge. Yeah. Uh, but then you get, you know, Alan Cumming as Boris. Who's yeah, the, the I hacker. am
0: invincible. He's, was he? he yeah, he's, he's like a hacker and like a computer. Is he, expert. What, he's
1: he's definitely over a level two hacker. Or yeah. whatever he says. She's
0: only a level two programmer.
1: Yeah. yeah level two programmer yeah oh my god it's so 90s i love it but you know it's funny because like
0: like like alan Cumming uh in real life wearing his pajamas at the concert or at the press conference about the movie um he just wears a bunch of ridiculous outfits there's one point where he's wearing a sweater with a bunch of hands on it and i kind of want that sweater yeah uh yeah
1: i was about to go to bed and nick was like wait you remember that sweater I'm like, what about it? It has a bunch of hands on it. I'm like, yeah. Nick's like, I want one of those. And then I just went to bed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's like, he's especially over, like, just the the whole. Well, he's a very underrated for playing, like, animated people. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like, even like, I was like looking through, like, I think he's a good actor. But when you look at things like, like, I always loved him as Nightcrawler mm-hmm. in X-Men. Uh, I love him as, what's that character's name? Floop. In, oh, in uh, Spy in, Kids? In Spy Kids. Like, I always loved him in that as a kid. Like, and then he's like good just in
0: serious stuff too, yeah. but he's really underrated when it comes to like but, wacky and, stuff. And he's really, he can get really wacky in this. Yeah. He has a lot of just like the, you know, everybody knows I am invincible, like yeah. that whole thing. But just like his, the looks, he like his, like his little like smirks and his like, you know, his like eyes and just like, um, him, just like him, like, like, like just doing his hacking stuff and all that sort of stuff is, it's just fantastic.
1: Yeah, um, and then and then like the Orman, he he's good. I mean, he's pretty mm-hmm. good. Good Russian bad guy. Yeah. Um, uh, should we can we just talk about it? Uh, well, I want to talk real quick before we get into that. I want to talk about any of the other because uh, the other characters that were minor. Because we have a new money penny. Yeah. Um, who Different. listen? I, I will move forward to move forward to say this. Like I I would say what's her name? Naomi Harris. Yeah, I like her money, Penny. Mm-hmm. That's like the one ultimate thing I think I like about the Craig movies. Better, mm-hmm. I just like what Skyfall Inspector just did with the yeah. character. No, that's definitely like a, probably the
0: be- the best way to update that character. Like
1: it, it's in a way where it's like they still kind of have this flirtatious thing. Yeah, they, they do that, and but it's they don't more like it explains
0: it. it like like why what her position is, yeah. and like you know she retired from the field, but like you know she still can 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 do stuff. Yeah. Sort of it thing. just
1: felt like they put a little bit more energy into like what this flirtatious mm-hmm. relationship would be right. like. Um and I kind of like that. And then then we get to the Q scene, uh which is, you know, kind of what we've been asking for for these newer movies to do for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's just it was just fun and you can tell like
0: like and he was having a I, ball. I I enjoy I love the chemistry between Bro- Brosnan and Leland. Yeah. I think they they really have just they are on top of on top of it with with their chemistry and Brosnan just sinks right into it. And it's it's some of the most friendly that Bond and Q you know are. Sure, and, and I yeah. think that that's just kind of develops in like what I love about the, the Brosnan and Q relationship is that it's just really defined by just like at this point they just respect each other, they're friends and yeah, that no, that story. that's good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, just, just good. And stuff. And also he has his sandwich look nice.
1: That made me laugh so because again like oh so good because it's like they're going through all this stuff and of course it's always like Bond picks up something he's like Bond what are you doing if you if it's like if you click that like uh, or if like you set that to five o'clock it would explode like yeah, something yeah. like that and then so the scene ends with like it's all over and Bond's like looking at a sandwich He's like 007, that's my lunch yeah. <laughs> and I was like yes classic con- oh another quick character because not not too much the Felix ripoff. Oh, I kind of just wish that was Felix. Mm, I just kind of or I I do, I mean I guess they are playing the whole like this is like a budding friendship yeah. kind of deal. Jimbo.
0: I, I, I like that dynamic. Yeah, Joan Dylan Baker plays like like arrogant American type of deal, like or like just like kind of like lovable cowboy. Lovable cowboy American so well yeah, no, that it he's was so he like He's lovable, but there's that part of you that just hates everything, like, about him. Oh, no, I loved him through and through. Yeah, I, like, I don't know. He... For me, it's like you, there's that part where it's like you can – or you, you can kind of see where Bond's coming from. With oh, kind he's of a... supposed to be an obnoxious American.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, wait. We didn't talk about how uh, this is uh, also a mini driver vehicle. <laughs> Well, I was gonna, I was gonna get to that, yeah. Because I also like that guy too. Oh, I the, like Robbie the, Coltrane. Yeah, I, I love that scene because then, because that's also a scene more substantially. They get into them explaining the Kazakh uh, mm-hmm. thing, and they were saying like, "Hey, listen, like, like they're kind of like throwing shade at each other." It's like I remember like when all these people went to the to Britain and then they turned their backs on them or they yeah. they sent them back to Russia, and but then like the guy kind of owns up saying like, "Yeah, it wasn't Russia's." finest hour either, either and it's just kind of like these little things in the movie that talk about
0: like yeah this spy war game like yeah. there are no well, winners and, and so that I history it. it's like even though it's not like a character we've seen like it's, it didn't end up being Pushkin but it's, it, there's that, still that history where it's like okay Bond shot this guy in the leg uh, and and he's a former KGB and now like now the KGB and, and the USSR has fallen he's kind of a you know a, a kind of a Russian gangster now yeah. and he has all these connections this and free market economy is, like, market kill, economy. is killing him uh, but, but yeah <laughs> I thought that was great. Um, Robbie Coltrane, uh, the Valentino character, uh, has a girlfriend who's yeah. singing uh, Stand By Your Man, the, the classic American country song. And she's singing it very badly. And yes, that is, in fact, Minnie Driver.
1: Yeah, I remember one day it was on TV. I was like, wait, is that Minnie Driver? And It definitely was. Um, But speaking about girls, let's talk about the women mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Because this was like the biggest... Just fresh because even with like the Dalton ones, like I always said, like they start out well, but then they still kind of like get into the trappings. And I found out th- not only were these characters great, but they also found creative ways to kind of still have those trappings, mm-hmm. but then get around them. So I want to talk about the Bond Girl first. Okay, uh, so her- Natalia. Natalia, I thought she was awesome. Yeah, especially
0: as the movie goes on. What I loved most about her, and this is very unique among these movies. Like her introduction is like a mini short film. It's like this whole extended. Inter- she's a you know she's a tech at the Russian base, same as Boris. Where they steal the golden eye, and it's this whole thing where like she's the only one that survives, and it follows her like oh she's getting the coffee while everybody's getting shot, and how she hides and how she escapes and stuff, and it like goes on for a while. But it's like it's almost like its own mini movie within the movie. It's almost like this well, kind of mini also, origin.
1: The movie and, and so it's never because yeah, yeah. this is the biggest thing that happens with even formidable Bond girls. The movie never takes away her usefulness. Mm-hmm. Like it's. Ne- Never, like, her skills prove just as useful throughout the movie. It's not like, all right, Bond has to actually hack into something now yeah. or, or, like, something yeah. like that. And they make her, like, very assertive. Like, she's kind of playing a spy game a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, there's a level of she's not an official spy. So And it's James Bond. Like, he's, he's going on the spy front, he's going to be a little bit more capable. Yeah. But then they also creatively – there were two things that they did really well. They the one thing was like she is the person where like all this war stuff is stupid. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she's kind of being the buzzkill about the spy game. But what I liked about it is like this movie gave you a reason for why she's like that. Yeah. Like she literally was in an office shooting, essentially, yeah. Where she watched all of these people that she <laughs> know dies, and she was the sole survivor of her entire installation exploding. So she has witnessed like firsthand. And she's not, like, a soldier or anything. Right. So it made more sense. That yes. She, and she expresses it because she's assertive, but it was so organic why she was, like, the, quote-unquote, like, adult in the room.
0: And and also, like, it gets just from the uniqueness, this is a very unique and awesome way to do the, like, civilian Bond girl trope. Because she's, like, really, like, she's in the government. She's doing this hacking, but she's really just, like... You know, she's not like she doesn't have any special training. She's not like she's just a civilian. But you still you you give her this opportunity to become the survivor, mm. and from there, she you know she's like I'm do You know, she's gonna see it through. She's gonna do what it takes to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just thought like you know, even though she's like just like a regular old you know girl, yeah, like just just like a common person in in the realm of the world, she you still get the, like them. She's struggling to escape from from the base that she's at. And like she's like climbing up, and she's you know trudging through the wilderness, and but she still has those. Which moments. and she
1: tricks the the henchmen too. Yeah, like she like the she thought she was up in the rafters, but she's actually like down somewhere there. else. Uh, and, and
0: then even then, like later when she's trying to contact Boris because she thinks Boris might be someone might be still alive. Like she doesn't know Boris is is on the bad guy side right. yet. She 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 kind of plays with the IBM you know Russian guy. Like oh, I need a computer. I'm going to buy it for the school. yeah. No, that's and what and I mean. She's and, like kind of playing the and, spy but, game. But but there's just like. It just like, I just, I really, I mean, I'll get to your second point in a second, but I just think that whole sequence with her at the base just really gives you like a, like a backstory and and like a character to that person. And again, that whole like kind of mini movie with her in it, that mini short film just to focused on her, gives you that a- opportunity that when she does like connect with Bond, that you're already kind of invested in her character and her journey, which is like, I, there are a lot of Bond girls I do like. And like, you know, it's like kind of what I like about Anya and a Spy Who love Me. It's like you kind of get that little bit of a backstory, but this is kind of that on steroids and it yeah. really, really works. Yeah, I just,
1: uh, yeah, I... She and, and she's just really good, I thought. But then my second point is, of course, they have them fall for each other, mm-hmm. or they, you know, you know, her fall for him or whatever. They even got away with that. Like, <laughs> without it feeling bad. Because so cause there is like one final scene. There is one scene where it's like, oh yeah, they're gonna start hooking up. But I just felt it was so organic. Cause it was kind of in a way where it's like At that point, you believe. Here's what it was. I believe, because she kind of comes on to him Mm -hmm. at that. Bond's always doing his, like, kind of flirtatious stuff. Yeah. But, like, she kind of comes on to him in that, like, moment of, like, adrenaline after they escape the train. But at that point in the movie, this is what it was for me. I got the sense that, yeah, this seems like a woman that if she's turned on by somebody, she's just going to make the first move. Mm -hmm. Like, and it just, and it felt like, because even, like, in. This was actually one of my favorite uh, Brosnan performances. When she comes, when she comes on to him, he seems taken aback by that. Like he's
0: like, like for once, Bond's like, oh, f- I'm gonna score. I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> like, <laughs> because it's like right after like you know like, like to jump off this train and yeah that adrenaline, and then he's just like they're recovering, and then it's just like yeah, I'm like you know any other protocols I need to know about. Yeah, but I
1: I just thought like they really tastefully. Got through that that I kind of believe that like,
0: oh, yeah, like these two would start uh," and and just and just from an acting perspective, too, like she's great. Like she is awesome throughout the entire movie.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I also love because I wasn't sure about the placement of the scene at first, but I do love how she is like the person who's like, listen, what's the big deal? Just kill them. Like, listen, he was your buddy. He's not anymore. Mm -hmm. Just kill the guy. And it's like, isn't this what you like? Isn't this this, this war thing? And mm. and it didn't really pick a side on really either one. Yeah. And I was just really impressed yeah. uh, with her. Um I just love boys so, with toys. Yeah, I didn't love
0: that. That, that I'll be honest. That mm. one. That one nah, was a little rough. No, that's that's a personal. It's a personal. Yeah, idea. No,
1: that one was love a little. It. That one was a little rough. But she. But she was good. Really, just gorgeous too. On top of all of it, but mm-hmm. super talented. Yeah. Um. And, and then we get to okay, what's her name? Uh, Xenia on the top. Zenia on the top. Uh, it, it, like best Bond henchman. I'm sorry. Like I, I think so. I like. I, you I know what? I'm not gonna. I, just, I, I, that because is because it's because here's the thing. Because like you know, we all love Jaws. We all love Odd Job. But it's just kind of like they're iconic. Yeah. Like Famke is just putting on a performance in this, and you know she I love an over the top one
0: hundred percent deserved an Oscar for this. Like this is on. Un- freaking believable I, like yeah. what she does in this movie it, it, it's what uh, it's
1: what somebody in one of these movies should be doing and it's why you have those henchmen characters so like you either want the villain to be over the top i think this is how i feel or you want like ma- this is why sometimes you give that to the to the henchman because they can be a little bit more animated than when they go against the villain it's a little bit more entertaining and she just delivers like Above and beyond, because like we said, so like her deal is like she's she's ultimately an a, an assassin mercenary mm-hmm. who um is sadomasochistic mm-hmm. and like she gets very just very horny for killing people mm. and they just play it. She plays it in the most entertaining way, both when she's doing stuff, when she's in the background of a scene, she's her doing stuff
0: background work in this movie is. Insane, yeah, it's like really there's good. one. So, there's a scene where, like, you know, there's Bond and Alec are on this train. Like, Alec has this train that that's how he kind of gets between places, that's how he hasn't been caught as like the head of this organization. And so, it's like Ormoth, you know, have they've captured Natalia and Bond gets on the train, and there's like a standoff where, like, you know, they're gonna kill her, uh, you know, if Bond, you know, doesn't, you know, do you know, doesn't, you know drop his gun or whatever. Right, like right, that. yeah. And so at one point, Alec is like, well, so what's the choice, Bond? Are you going to save the girl? Or are you going to save the world? Like, well, whatever. In the background, Gay Jensen, who in this scene is just is just dressed up like a, a fucking vampire. Yeah, like she's just a vampire-looking mother. I mean, we should let's get this out of the way because I am
1: genuinely like she's very talented and yeah. she deserves like she is like from an like genuinely good acting for the type yeah. of acting she's doing. But to get this out of the way, she is very attractive in this. She
0: movie. is so yeah. hot in this movie, <laughs> and I'm not that type of person. Like I don't say that about things. Like you yeah, no, don't. This I feel is weird, very uncharacteristic. I just, like, I don't know. You were having a conniption in the theater. Like, like, like... Her first scene in the. Uh, whatever. I'm going to get to this point first. Yeah, yeah. So, in the background, like, Alex is being like, you're going to save the world, going to save the girl. Once again, Bond, is that an imp? Like, whatever. In the background, she's like, starts licking her lips and then starts like growling. She's like, <laughs> she's like, and she's like, And yeah. she's like, And then just, just crazy.
1: And we should say, like, she does it in a way that's like, it is over the top, but it's not like her just being an animated fool yeah. in the background. Like, she is really doing a good like and she's reacting to the proper
0: stuff yeah like it's not just there her acting so like a so many lunatic. good scenes with her in this movie yeah uh just i'm gonna just go well, with- her
1: thing is that her, her special which this is ridiculous her speciality is that she crushes people with her thighs mm-hmm. like which is i guess like also supposed to be kind of like a take on like you, you know some like you know sexual fantasy type yes. things and they come back and bite you in the butt mm-hmm. like. uh uh, it, it is an interesting thing that like Bond was yeah. about to die between the legs of a woman yeah. twice within in the movie, movie. Uh, that is pretty absurd though that mm, she can mm. crush a man well, j- <laughs> there
0: are so many scenes with Famke in this movie yeah. that like first of all her, her introduction in, in the casino well the driving sequence is awesome just in terms of like her reactions to like her smile and lists like that uh, in the casino when Bond and her are talking first of all like the, the her the reveal of her name on, yeah. the on the top, <laughs> on a top, on a top. Always loved it. Her outfit in that first scene is insane. Yeah, her breasts are ginormous. <laughs> they're just out there. They're just there. They're poking out. Like how? What do you mean how? That's just what she's wearing,
1: dude. Like, <laughs> they're, they're big. Um, and then she's,
0: you know, she's she's flirting with him in a way, and then she goes off to. The like the to go off with this general, they get the keys to this copter, and she. That's when they kills them. And the, this yeah. rough sex scene, which was specifically the scene they had the tone down because the first version of it was very very. Yeah, risky. it's
1: fine the way it is. Yeah. like you no, get it works. the point. Yeah, it's um, fine the just way it is.
0: The bathroom, the or the bath fight. Yeah, is so insane. So she actually broke a rib on that scene because yeah. she told Brosnan, "Hey, like these walls are padded. Like just 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 throw me into the wall. The walls weren't padded. She yeah. was just like just going for it. She broke a rib. Yeah, well, she's great." bond yeah, she gets is, tossed around bond and her of great chemistry but my favorite scene of her in the movie my favorite little bit of acting from pancake yeah. okay is when <laughs> i want to talk about the tank tanks in a second but like but like he bond parks the tank and like the train's kind of going at high speed and she's i guess up. we
1: should mention that at one point
0: bond drives a tank yeah. in this movie yeah and that that yeah. seems crazy too yeah but like she's looking off and he's like oh he's gonna he's oh gonna,
1: this yeah what you're talking about she's like we're gonna crash and the look on her face no 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 what she says it's like so they see the train is heading towards Bond in the tank and then like Terrell is like my god or something like that and then she's just like with a smile on the face like like,
0: a euphoric look in her eyes she's like he's gonna derail us
1: (laughs) and I was like oh my god and you could tell like especially the audience was just all in on this character like and she deserves every everything about it she is so good Um, in this movie and it was just like it was too. It was just two and three if you count M. Just like I just haven't seen like them treat the female characters this well in a Bond movie in yeah. a long time, if really at all yeah. to this degree. No, but, um, yeah, I I really liked both of them. But like I said, both gorgeous, but also both very talented, very good, very well written uh, for a Bond action movie. Um, yeah, big big thumbs up, big buys.
0: And then well. And then we have one more person to talk about, which is Pierce Brosnan yeah. as James Bond. Uh-huh. This is like, and and it'll be interesting because I've I have a perception of where the Brosnan movie's going, where his performance goes. Yeah. But just taking this first movie, this is an iconic performance, and this is a very iconic Bond movie look and performance and it's partially because we did grow up in that era so it's like seeing him as bond it's almost just like a familiarity It's like he is bond but just again just like he just falls into that role yeah. so perfectly that it's just is he is bond like and it's hard not to see how he is kind of almost a perfectly built bond because he he's great at the action he's got good running and and, and just like when he's like but he's sometimes broadens his best when he's like on uncover with the gun, with the wallboard PBK up around the corner. Just that looks, the looks that he gives around the corner and stuff like that. It's just like almost bond. He's quips you know, are very quippy, very good. You know, most of them are, are very solid quips, yeah, but he yeah, yeah. always delivers them well. It's kind of like, it's almost like Brosnan can be, like, kind of a combination of what people like about, like, yeah, you know, Connery yeah. Moore and Dalton. Like, all three of those yeah. kind of combine in some ways.
1: I, I will say, I like Brosnan. I do. Um, I wasn't, like blown i've never been blown away from it, but i i like to think he he's a solid bond mm-hmm. uh i think most of this movie is the work around him that i like a yeah. lot uh
0: but he's not bad no I, um he's and like good. like he's, if, I just, just like, good. To, like tease a little bit i i think it's just one of those things where i do think that this like performance is so iconic and so good as bond i i i'll be interested to revisit the rest of these films because i just don't think brosnan ever gets Back up to that height. Well, so I'll
1: be honest. There's a lot of I I like. I really like this movie, and there were there were a lot of things I like. But there's also a lot of things that I know. Like, all right, there are variations of what is going to happen in this movie that are just going to be in the next like four or Mm -hmm. three movies. and I did have that thought where I'm like, yeah, I could easily see how if we keep on recycling this tone and if you don't do it carefully it could not be great right because there were certain things like i was getting to the point where i'm like
0: oh yeah maybe now i see why you don't need a quip all the time all the time yeah uh, there, there and, is a you know there are some like i like a lot of the quips in this movie yeah but there are some that are a little bit forced yeah
1: like, but yeah. it's like and again it's like all right we're gonna do this again like there's gonna be so many movies after this about like satellites and technology mm-hmm. like they're, they're gonna like run that into the ground mm-hmm. and and i'm curious to see where bond goes i've heard like I've heard all the stories like even if you are not a fan, if you are or if you're not a fan of Brosnan, a lot of people definitely thinks he gets worse as it goes on, mm-hmm. either way. Um so I'm interested to see where it goes. But yeah. ultimately, no, I liked him. I I, I did like him, but yeah. it's more so the movie as a piece I, mm-hmm. I liked um the most um and then i think the last thing we had to say was like yeah there's a part in this movie where he drives a tank
0: yeah so that's actually very interesting because that's the first time that they've ever actually filmed in russia yeah okay uh but that the whole sequence was supposed to be filmed in russia but when they got there they realized like the Russians weren't really used to international film productions coming in. It was still kind of new now that they had opened up their borders for that sort of stuff. So there was a lot of red tape, and they were like, oh, well, you can't crash into buildings. And like they were like, we're not going to crash into buildings. But there was like, oh, if you're any damages, we find you're liable for them. And then they filmed like four days, and they just felt like the Russians were really on top of them, like watching them because like, oh, they were filming near like an important museum and like the Japanese embassy, and they were like lots of nerves about it. So Barbara was like, okay, I don't think this is going to work. And they went to the production designers, like, could you build, uh, you know, could you build St. Petersburg in like six weeks so we can like redo this whole, you know, most of the sequence. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, yeah. So they built it in six weeks. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. So yeah, there's I was,
1: a- was going to say, it's almost like a, almost kind of making fun of Russia a little bit because that tank went through everything. Mm-hmm. It just destroyed everything. And then there's the moment where it 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 crashes into the statue of,
0: like, the the dude on the Pegasus. That was the first take, the, too, yeah. by the way. Because that was, like... That was So they bought th- three actual Russian tanks for yeah. the sequence. Oh, God. Uh, and so awesome. they had this idea for the statue. And they were like, okay, well, the statue, like... We could do it a miniature, but, like, well, let's, let's just try it once. We'll build, like, a life-size statue of it, and we'll put a little hook on the bottom, and then hopefully it'll attach. And they were like, oh, it's probably not going to work, but, like, hey, it's like, we got the budget for it. Let's do it. Yeah. And then it worked. Yeah. So they're like, okay, that's it. Yeah. But that's great. Mm-hmm. When The moment when it drives through um the the wall for the first time yeah is so funny did
1: and this is the last time i mentioned it this movie seemed very much like the tone of what marvel does now mm. like it's very unapologetic about like jokes mm-hmm. uh and it has like an interesting kind of like you know underlying theme and things like that but it's also over the top action uh, the villain is kind of yeah. like a. It, it's it kind of is, like an evil version. Like when of Bond. people say it
0: is the monetization of the franchise. Yeah, it it is in the sense that like it keeps those Bond. It keeps like the some of the structure of like the Bond, you know, the Bond girl and Bond and stuff like that. And it keeps yeah. you know the kind of the insane stunt sequences that we've kind of gotten used to talking about. Yeah, uh, but it really does kind of put it together was, in, in a. But nice But the humor scene. was a big one for yeah, me. Yeah, and like, it, but that... yeah, and it's the humor they found a way, especially in this movie. And you're not wrong in that, like. Some of the stuff that happens in the next couple bras in the movie is kind of, you know, it's just a bit too much of it, and yeah. we're going to see that. But in this movie, they do strike a basically near-perfect balance yeah. of, like, the quips well, and the also, humor. But also, let's be honest.
1: Like, this, I'm sure, wouldn't be everybody's thing. Like, oh. there would probably be people who would prefer
0: it to be less silly than it is, mm-hmm. uh, but... I just think it's like yeah. this is almost like an ideal Bond tone, you know. But, if you if you if you really do this carefully, like it keeps kind of yeah. a serious nature of it, will not n- not disappearing like the humor from it. Well,
1: I mean, my final statements on it, like I absolutely, I watched it, I absolutely loved it. Um, I thought it was very well constructed. I thought the characters were great. The female characters were on point this time around, and I thought that this was a Bond movie that was able to uh, streamline its plot in a very in a very cool narrative that thematically works, too, mm-hmm. with, like, as I said, like, the whole, like, ghosts of war coming back to haunt, and the, the price of it and this legacy that is vague, but you know enough just based off knowing these characters. Because, again, I think that, that that is a rule that you can get away with. You know Bond well enough that you can just insinuate his past and, like, you know, they – and you can uh, extrapolate from it. Um yeah i just like this is i'm curious to see where uh this finally ends up on the ranking but it's super high like it's definitely in top five uh really really enjoyed it just super fun yeah um and definitely i don't really own a lot of bond movies but this would be the one that i would go out of my way to like get a blu-ray of or something really really enjoyed it yeah
0: it's 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 definitely who's harrison ford in this Oh, we're getting to that early. We'll yeah. will Oh,
1: you want to save it to the end or
0: No, we can do it now. Yeah. Well I just got the some aftermath yeah. stuff, but we we can do it now. Yeah. Who is Harrison Ford?
1: Um Like head like uh oh, that's an easy one though. It's gonna say either like head of the FBI or like something. I'm trying to think of like where they go though.
0: He could he could help out with uh, you know like he's in that he's at that presentation for the tiger helicopter that, that on the top steals yes like he's <laughs> he's he's there like he's kind of an honored general and then like he he's like you know yeah yeah or it's like
1: yeah he could have been the general that uh, on the top kills mm-hmm. <laughs> that would have been like the second time that happened to him because that almost happens to him in Blade Runner mm, yeah. Um but anyway um, all right.
0: I, could just, I could just imagine his voice, like on top. What are you doing? <laughs> Get off of me, Zedia, I can't
1: breathe. I love how that guy dies with like a with like an orgasmic look
0: on his face. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, all right, aftermath. What but, do we got? So we got the movie does release on November thirteenth, nineteen ninety five. So again, um, one of the things they did want to do is that they felt like they they wanted to start avoiding the summer. So now all the Bond movies are going to come out in the fall mm-hmm. instead. So it's going to be the kind of the Thanksgiving, Christmas release type of deal. So they do release uh, have a premiere in uh, October, November thirteenth, nineteen ninety five. Worldwide, you know, worldwide drop in nineteen. Uh, sorry, in uh, November seventeenth. Um, this movie was very, very successful. The most successful Good. Bond movie since Moonraker, uh, raking in um, uh, three hundred fifty million dollars worldwide. Um, and just in its first week in the U.S. alone almost eclipsed the total U.S. box office of License to Kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was very, very successful, and so all those worries that Bond had no relevancy, that audiences would be interested, completely faded away. And this was now the hot new thing. It was a huge pop culture hit, and people were now very, very interested in the Bond franchise once again. Uh, the critical reception at the time was mostly positive to slightly mixed. Um there was uh, Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars, mm-hmm. and he said Bronson's Bond is somehow more sensitive, more vulnerable, more psychologically complete than any of the previous Bonds. Uh, also, from a
1: writing standpoint, I would agree with
0: that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, and so a lot of people liked kind of the calling out or like the the reflection on Bond's character yeah. um, and that sort of stuff. A lot of people praise that M scene. Um And so there was like, you know, it was like people were like, oh, it's good. You know, it's, you know, it's good. It's mostly a thing. The legacy of this movie is that it is a fan favorite among Bond fans. And it is considered one of the all time best Bond movies. It's nowadays, it's always kind of put up there with Goldfinger with Spy Who Loved Me as like the one of the top dogs uh, in the Bond franchise. And it really does people, people view this one as the film that saved the Bond franchise, that modernized it, that brought it out into a new light and was able to let it continue on into the new millennium, essentially. Um, Another big part of its legacy, just real briefly, is that it also spawns one of the most important video games of all time. Yeah. Uh, So Rare does release GoldenEye the next year in 1996. And GoldenEye, the video game... um, Which is, I think, officially called GoldenEye 007. Yes, called GoldenEye 007. Um, And what it... What that game does is that at the at that time, it's a first-person shooter, and first-person shooters really weren't on home consoles uh, because people were like, well, you can't do it without a mouse and keyboard. It's going to feel weird. And so the controls of GoldenEye and its multiplayer function really proved, hey, first-person shooters can work on home consoles. Yeah. And it's really like the predecessor to stuff like Halo that's, and Call of Duty. That's also like
1: that. saying something when your issue is – your concern is control like the, what the control is, yeah. and you put it on the N64, mm-hmm. which has the jankiest mm-hmm. controller
0: <laughs> uh, And also what's funny about the GoldenEye, the video game... It's so iconic for his multiplayer, yeah. but its multiplayer was legitimately added at the last minute, with like three weeks to go in the game's development. They were just like, let's throw it in here. One other fun fact about that, that the game, uh, what's also cool about the game is it has a lot of Bond history characters, so it has, like, you can play as Odd Job, and you can play as On the Top, yeah, and yeah, all that yeah. sort of stuff. You can play as Jaws. Uh, the, the game was originally intended and programmed to be able to play as any of the previous Bonds. Uh, so you're supposed to be able to play as Connery, Moore, Lazenby, Dalton, or Brosnan, but they couldn't get the likeness, like, likeness rights to the rest of the Bonds. So gotcha. it's just yeah. Brosnan in there. But in the game's code, you can still find the rest of the
1: Unless Bonds. Unless it's a Naboo Starfighter situation in which somebody's going to find the code. Someday. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it depends. Were those guys uh level 2 programmers, <laughs> then we'll definitely be able to find it.
0: Yeah. She's a level 2 programmer. You can't my
1: at one point, we didn't mention that Boris freezes and literally oh, becomes his, an icicle. His death
0: is amazing. Yeah,
1: it, it's one of those like he's like, "I am invincible!" Well, and then like, the, 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 the canisters the, the open base, up and yeah, then the base, then freeze them The yeah. base is
0: exploding. Everybody else has died yeah. at this point. Alec has fallen and off and gotten crushed. It's like, and he's again kind of weaselled his way out and survived. And like throughout the whole movie, he's like, "Yes, I am invincible." When he like, you know, he he gets, you know, he stops. He, it's, his God, yeah, it's his yeah. catchphrase. Yeah, his catchphrase uh and so he's like yes i am invincible and then he's like raises his arms the all the canisters explode and he just freezes and yeah. it's like the perfect perfect dive. he
1: looks like when mr freeze freezes somebody but oh last thing i'll mention last joke i did like that i was not, not enough people laughed at was like boris's thing is like his his uh, passwords are sexual innuendos mm-hmm. so they're always like oh like you know like bosom or so, I don't know like something like that but
0: like the one it's very large and you can use them to open very large doors knockers, knockers, that, knockers that's what yeah. it was
1: and everybody's like Boris and then like the last clue was like what do you sit on but you don't take with you Yeah. and then she's like always thinking like it has to do something with like the ass or like yeah, the butt like or something or like whatever. yeah so I just thought it was funny that she asked Bond, who's like the most sexual creature on the planet and he's like what's what's another thing for butt like it's something you sit on but you can't take with you Bond's like it's a chair <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Yeah. Like and
0: well but, like yeah. one la- one very last thing cuz yeah. I, I do want to mention this too. Um I also love cuz Bond one of Bond's things is an exploding pen. And just that sequence of, like, uh, Boris, like, clicking with the pen once he takes it, and you know it's going to explode at some point, and Bond, like, figuring out how he's going to do it, that's also, like, perfect, like, yeah. mini tension. Where, like oh It's, again, that perfect Bond tension. It's like, you know Bond's going to get out of this, but how exactly he's going to do it? Oh, he has the pen, he's clicking it, he's going to wait for Boris to click to it To explain,
1: three he has a pen that if you click it three times, it activates a bomb in the pen, and if you click it another three times, it deactivates it. Yeah. So it's like a grenade. So, like, there's this scene Boris, like, when he's hacking, like... Flips around a pen and like keeps on like you know hitting the the, the little the back the yeah. trigger of it and uh, and he doesn't know it, it's that's bomb. what it is so you're kind of like waiting the whole scene and it's good editing because you kind of lose track of like what's exactly going but through like the cutting and Bond looking at
0: it you can kind of yeah. the tension and builds point, up properly. and I just love her. What is the golden Italian? He kicks it out of his hand. Lots of explosions. It's great. Yeah, like that, yeah. yeah. and a lot of good sneaking in this movie too. Lots yeah, of good sneaking.
1: Lot, lots of good stuff. Uh, Nick, I, th- this was th- this is great. L- yeah. love the movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. Uh, but um, yeah, so next time for Bond, this isn't the only Bond. Brosnan gets a few more adventures. More yes. so then. Uh, so next uh, time we're going to continue
0: Bonds. the Bond franchise on a very very interesting production. This is another one of those productions I cannot wait to talk about. It's a very unique Bond production as we talk about the next Bond movie, Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, wow. Can't wait.
1: Can't wait. But next time isn't a Bond episode. No, it's not. It's a Godzilla episode in which we start the Hasey series proper. The versus era of Godzilla finally opens up as Godzilla fights uh, another new enemy in the form of a giant rose mm. we'll find out in godzilla versus biolante we're gonna have to
0: find a screening of this one yeah. we're, gonna have to try, <laughs> we're gonna have to try our hardest
1: um but yeah so that's it next time in the meantime uh, i'm done
0: we're done we're done i'm done yeah we're all good okay so plugs real quick yes uh we got email bonzillapod at gmail.com facebook.com slash bonzilla double seven twitter.com slash bonzilla double seven soundcloud.com slash bonzilla double seven go ahead like and subscribe Give us a listen, iTunes and SoundCloud. That was one of my most solid plugs yet. I didn't really really mess up anything. You nailed it. All right, well, until next time. Bye. Bye. On the top's awesome. On the top? On the top.
3: I am invincible!